Dunn spun away, looking, shooting! Dunn with a goal! Welcome everyone to Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle, one of your hosts. I'm here with Courtney. Courtney, how are you doing? I am doing great. I'm super excited for our episode. Yes, and without further ado, we're going to get right into it because we have a Gotham family reunion. We have Estelle Johnson, we have Ifyana Manu, and we have Imani Dorsey. Are y'all kidding me right now? We got three Gotham FC stars on the podcast. Welcome. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing good. Um, yeah, happy yeah. to be here. Thanks for having awesome. me. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys so much for, for coming on, for wanting to talk to us. This is this is so cool. We're, we're both like really, really excited about this, kind of geeked up, but um we can't we can't start any other way we have to ask the main question the rebrand we didn't see this coming for like everybody outside it was one of those things where like sky blue said okay there's an announcement coming and we were like all right we're trying to guess what it is you know it's going to be a new kid or it's going to be a new like partner with the club or something no a whole new club just a whole new club dropped out of nowhere so <laughs> Uh, what were you go? What was that like? Uh, what did you guys find out about that process? What was the process like to knowing that you were also and like keeping it quiet? How, how hard was that? <laughs> um, I'll say for me, I knew we were going through a rebrand, but for the longest time, we didn't know what it was. Like I didn't know what it no was. Clue. I was completely no. in the dark. I had I didn't have any expectation. I'm like, um, I've been in the league for a while, so I'm like, I knew Sky Blue is Sky Blue, and I've heard that. They were talking about rebranding for a couple years. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. that's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. Like we've been talking about, I feel like talking about rebranding for like a while and we're like, okay, like whatever. Yeah, we'll and see. Then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely caught them by surprise. We were yeah. just as shocked as everybody else, to be honest. We knew maybe like a couple days before others. So yeah, we were shocked. But it seems to be going well and people are seeming to love it so hopefully this is an indication of how our seat's gonna go exactly yeah absolutely i i, I want to get kind of your thoughts on on the name gotham i think when that happened we were just like <laughs> wow and actually i think it was uh it was announced almost like one week after april fool's day and i was like if they would have announced it any closer i would have been like what is going on is this real? don't believe it <laughs> right also because the announcement was on april fool's day and it was like with hashtag sputnik <laughs> And so I made a joke saying, oh, NASA's going to sponsor the NWSL that no one on our Twitter feed caught. They were, And then like Gotham retweeted it like, haha, we got you. And I was like, NASA's not going like- to sponsor a soccer league. Like, obviously, it's a joke. Um, so, yeah, like, how, what was that like? Um, I would say when we first heard the name, because it did, they, I think they told us the day before April Fool's. I kept like, saying... Yeah. Yeah, I kept saying April Fools. Like, are you guys serious? Like, I'm not sure. Like, April Fools. Like, right? Like, it's you're not kidding. actually Gotham. Like, you're kidding. Um, because I think they kind of gave us options before about what we would think we what we wanted our name to be. And you know, Gotham was in the mix at first, but it wasn't something that kind of resonated with us. Um, but I suppose like other people around like the New Jersey, New York area sort of like the name. And I think that's kind of how it arose um, to being our name. And I'm not going to lie, it's starting to grow. I mean, I think we can do a lot with it and there's so much we can like play, play on, you know what I mean? Like, I guess like Batman and the Dark Knight, which I'm excited about. So, um, yeah. yeah. Like, you got me more excited about it, like on the rebrand day, because the day that it was announced, they like redid our whole locker room to have like the new logos and the color scheme and everything. Um, and so we're in the locker room after training. And I remember Ify talking about like in Red Bull Arena, she's like, just imagine like the starting lineup, like they got the got like the NY, the NJNY, like strobe light, like a Batman strobe light. And then you hear like Bane, come on. Like they're throwing, throwing around like all these different ideas. And I'm like, okay, that's sick. Like that's cool. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that like um, how quickly like things have turned around because we all kind of had the same reaction. We were like, oh my gosh, people are going to make fun of us. Like we're going to be the laughing stock of the league. And now we're like, Gotham! Like, so, like, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. My friends were calling me like, oh my God, your rebrand is so cool. And like, to be fair, like our logo, I think is sick. And I think, you know, 
one of our teammates, like Didi did such a good job on some of the promo picks that we took. And so I think with all that combined, you know, like it just became like a really, like a better situation in terms of the name and the rebrand than we thought it would be. You know what? That's, that's great. I'm glad, I'm so glad y'all were honest and open about that because honestly, when we first saw it, I was like, yo, I love the logo, but this Gotham thing's going to take a little while to get used to. Yeah. Uh, And then like in the first game, like in the challenge cup, Jen Hildred drops like two the Dark Knight references on on the like after the match, and I was like, okay, I like where this is going. This is fun, and, and we've even played around. You know, we had a Photoshop image of Batman, you know, and threw it up on our account. Like we're we're having fun with this. We love it, <laughs> and that's the whole point, right? Yeah, yeah. People involved and get people excited about us. So I, I'd say it it went off well. <laughs> uh, one quick question I want to transition to because you know. A big, another big part of the rebrand was, was making sure new, kind of representing New Jersey and New York. And so um, I kind of want to ask if there are like what grassroots things are kind of going on in both areas. How are you guys keeping connected to like the New Jersey portion, but also bringing in the New York portion? Those are like really big areas. And there's a lot of like rivalry between New Jersey and New York. So like bringing that together can be interesting. But I love that that's the ambition and that's the goal. So um, how do you guys see that like continuing to happen um, throughout the time of Gotham FC. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, the name has always been, like, New Jersey Sky Blue, but I've, especially in interacting with a lot of the Cloud9 fan base, there are a lot that, like, live in New York and Manhattan and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always known that we have fans in the city and in New York, but um, I think now they feel more included because it's, like, in the name, which I think is really cool. And then, I mean, in terms of like grassroots efforts, I know like Elise is working 24 hours a day to like um, make this club the best it can be. But I know like our player, like community outreach committee is also like trying to bring in more organizations that are like, ha- that are in Manhattan or in Brooklyn or in better, but also like in our backyard, like where we're training or like where we live in Jersey as well. Yeah, definitely. So switching a little bit to, you know, on the field, you guys did have your first win of the Challenge Cup. Congrats on that solid assist, (laughs) Ify. Uh, I was watching and I was like, oh, yes, something's about to go down. I'm like super excited. Um, So, you know, what are you guys excited about for this upcoming season, like Challenge Cup and throughout, um, you know, yeah, the rest of the 2021 Uh, I would say for me, I think, you know, yeah, great game. I think, you know what I mean? It was a good look at what we're capable of. And um, obviously with last year's sort of abbreviated season, um, I'm just really excited to see how far we can go, how far we can progress and how, you know, good we can look as a team. Um, So, you know what I mean? And then I'm excited to play at Red Bull. I'm excited to have fans back, you know what I mean? Just to have that like environment back again, which I'm like, you know, right here, like come summer, I'm hoping, you know, and, you know, even in Orlando, there was fans. So, you know, we're already sort of stepping into that situation. So um, I'm just kind of excited to feel the environment again, especially like with the opportunity to play at Red Bull um, later in the in the season like what that what that all feels like yeah I think that the the rebrand and the excitement around that like really kicked off our excitement about the season and like Ify said we had like such an abbreviated season last year and we really like struggled to get into a flow as I know a lot of teams did so now that we're looking at like a full season a very full season um, we're just excited to like put out a good product and um, you know, throughout the season, I'm sure there'll be highs and lows, but just a lot, a lot of excitement around all of it. So we're just ready to get the full squad here and get going. Yeah. And I think to that point too, like we have the rebrand this year, but last year felt like such a huge change, at least initially, like I forget about it, but we literally had a week of full preseason. And I mean, Ify was new. Um, we had a new coach, new assistant coach, like so much change um but I think everybody was really excited to like Mitch came in um a a lot of new players and I remember that first week it was just like flying like we were like let's go like we were kind of implementing a new style of play like there was so much change that we were so excited to like see where it goes and then COVID kind of like put a damper on that especially in terms of like feeling like a full season with fans and being in Rebel we were going to be in Rebel for the first time like for a whole season 
So finally, like having that like transfer over into this season and um, continuing to grow and build off of what we started last year, I think is like really important and something that like is going to be super special. Yeah, I've actually been so I live in the area. I was like born and raised in this area. And I remember I saw Sky when it was Sky Blue, I saw um, Sky Blue play in Red Bull. And I was like, it was so funny because I texted my older brother because it was like a day after I, I got knee surgery and I was like, I'm still going to the soccer game. So I was like oh hobbling around at Red Bull on crutches. And I got a note fit like my iPhone was like sometimes photos is like, hey, like here's what you did like seven weeks ago, like something kind of random. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, do you remember this? And I was like, oh my goodness. Um, and I think for a lot of us around this area, it was like super exciting because it was, you know, to be able to play at Red Bull, like I used to live in Brooklyn and it was a lot easier to get to Red Bull than like trying to go up to a Yankee Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever want to be on a subway for like the longest amount of time, <laughs> go from the middle of Brooklyn all the way up to Yankee Stadium. But yeah, so I guess I'm curious also, um, Gotham is, you know, a little bit unique in that there are a lot of women in charge, not only from coaching staff, GM, as opposed to most other sports teams in general and also a lot of soccer teams. So well, how has that affected the environment? Uh, that's a good question. I think, for at least for me, this is the first time I've ever had a female head coach. Um, this is the first time I've had a female assistant coach. This is the first time I've had a female GM. Like, uh, it's just like crazy. And I think definitely stepping away from having sort of like the staff completely be male. Um, there is definitely a dynamic change, but I think only in a good way. Um, you know, it's by no secret is there sort of, um, you know, the power dynamics sort of different when, you know, as opposed to like a a man involved and a woman involved on a women's team, um, I think, you know, that you kind of get a difference in power dynamics. And I think, you know what I mean? Not to say that our coach is, you know what I mean? Has quote unquote less power or influence on the team. I just feel like it allows for more um, honest dialogue. Whereas opposed to, I feel like, you know, at least for me and my experience, um, I've always had a hard time navigating with, you know what I mean, a fully male staff because there seems to be like a little bit more camaraderie or, you know what I mean, within, you know, I guess the relationship with, between men. Um, yeah. So they always defer to each other as opposed to sort of listening to, um, you know what I mean, their their athletes or I suppose to, to say I don't know if that made any sense but no I can I completely because I'm trying to think of like to put into words what you're saying but it's it's different it's mm-hmm. different having like all men and I think I just I think I feel a little more comfortable quite frankly like with a female GM and like female coach assistant coach like definitely held to the same level of accountability but I don't feel this like discomfort that I like sometimes felt I loved my college coaching staff they're amazing but there is a different dynamic when you have men running things opposed to like women so and also it's like we know that women are fully capable of having these jobs and there's no reason that there shouldn't be more female coaches and more female GMs in this Mm -hmm. league so it's also like a really cool thing that we're able to lead the charge in that way and like just show people females are more than capable of doing these jobs and we should give them to them. Yeah, absolutely. And it almost seems like Gotham is leading for the NWSL in this way. It also shouldn't be something that is so unique. I think all the players in the league deserve that. Um, We wanted to kind of get into um, questions specific to each one of you and kind of pull you in. And, and learn a little bit more about you. So we want to start with Estelle. Um, you went to the most recent World Cup with Cameroon. Just could you talk about like that whole experience, what that was like being there? Um, yeah, a yeah, see a little, little hand clap there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. We were so happy to watch it. Um, Cameroon was one of the fun teams to watch, scored some amazing goals. Just what was that experience like? Oh my gosh, it was crazy. Um, I joined the team like five weeks before <laughs> before kickoff. So that in itself was insanity. Um, just like getting to go to Africa. I hadn't been to Africa since I was like seven years old. So like oh. going back to Africa and specifically Cameroon, like I left Cameroon when I was a month old. So it was just like a whole, like a whole thing, you know, I just like felt like I was coming home for the first time and like 
back with my peoples. And like, so it was just like a lot of pride surrounding the situation, but going out there, I didn't have any guarantees of making the team. Like I was just some random chick that was like, I'm Cameroonian. Can I play? You know? So, um, it was just like a, a whirlwind of excitement and struggle and, um, language barrier and all types of things. But, all that like genuinely disappeared right when we kicked off and I had like a weird sense of like just like calm um before my first game and honestly throughout the whole tournament so it's just like a really life-changing experience yeah it's so I mean and like we were you know we were watching and you could you know sometimes hear the fans cheering and things like that so what was it I'm just like so curious what it was like to just like stepping out on the pitch and just being like absolutely just like fully surrounded by fans and like what was that atmosphere like when you you know when you first got on the pitch and then you know hearing jeers like all of these things to me seems really incredible but also like personally kind of a little terrifying uh so what was that like yeah um I mean all of those things (laughs) but it's funny like in bigger crowds, I feel like you have less stress for whatever reason. Like I was just like, nobody's paying attention to me. They're just cheering like loudly for us. But um, it was just like really overwhelming to a point where I was just like, now all I have to do is play like genuinely and building up to the World Cup. Like, like I mentioned, nobody had ever seen me play. So there was a a lot of like skepticism like in the media and stuff around like who is this chick um but after that first game like the amount of support that my teammates and I received was awesome like way way past anything that I could have ever imagined so that just fueled was just like fueled to our fire for the rest of the tournament so it was pretty awesome and then the cherry on the on top was having my family there. My dad and three of my sisters um, and my sister's fiance were there. So um, it was just like awesome, you know, like seriously, just awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. And kind of with that, um, so you play like your number for Cameroon is six, but before that, for most of your club career, (laughs) you're playing as number 24. So I'm curious, I mean, two plus four equals six. I understand that, but it's, uh, it's tw- like, um, is there any significance behind those numbers? Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you pointed out two plus four equals six because I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that. But um, I asked to be number 24, and they were like, "No, absolutely not. Like, that's not a respectable number. So we're just gonna sign you one." So I didn't even know what number I was gonna be until the day before the game. I was like, "Okay, six. I guess that's who I am now." But um, I've worn 24 my whole life because my oldest brother played it he or wore it. He played basketball. Then my, my next brother wore it. He played football and it just like seriously continued. So it's a family number. Um, we have debates about who wore it best, but I think I'm in the lead right now. <laughs> uh, you hands down win. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> depends on who you ask, but I definitely <laughs> as a podcast you have our vote too so you can add us to the total <laughs> yeah and um I, you know our, our last question specifically about soccer is um so you're very good at side slide tackling like just the clips and it's always perfectly timed and it's never like just fully I mean we've seen some bad slide tackles just like generally watching soccer uh so honestly this question is how are you so good at side tackling like how are you perfect slide tackler um I don't know I know that whenever it was rainy when I was growing up like playing club specifically my high school years anytime it was raining we would have slide tackling practice and it's hilarious because I'm like really we're gonna and it wasn't against each other we would just kick the ball out and like go slide and like it didn't count if you like didn't hook your foot around the ball and come up with it so we like legitimately practiced I don't know if that's a thing but um my coach used to give me so much grief about it he'd always be like Johnson the only reason why you slide tackle is because you got beat and like try to like make me feel like it was a bad thing and I'm like but who ended up with the ball so yeah I still I still talk to him about it today he's like you know you owe all of this to me I'm like you were talking smack the whole time (laughs) 
but I don't know. It just became a part of my game. I saw uh, you had a really fun reaction when uh, when Courtney brought up slide tackling. Is that something that that you are just sick of happening to you on the training? <laughs> yeah, it happens to me actually. I I go up to so I'm like I'm so irritated that you were able to get that ball. Like if you hadn't touched it when you did, like sometimes I'll like have a really good cross and then Estelle will like slide and get the ball out. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's insane. I don't know how she does it's it. It's insane. It's insane. Evie, I have such of like distinct um memory of us last year we were like seriously going at it and you she's so fast with the ball so it's like really hard to keep up with her and she took this touch and I was like I just have to go for it and I slid and I got it and she was like that was really good I was like I remember that yeah because I like I thought I had it like I and when I know I have it I'm like I got it and then when she got it I was like shit <laughs> this is not gonna be easy I'll tell you <laughs> uh, well actually that transitioned to us um Monty our next questions are for you um and oh, okay. <laughs> and so talking about slide tackling and defense in general in college you played as a forward midfielder now you're playing as an outside back what has that transition been like oh it's interesting it's definitely been a journey it's still a journey um yeah, I played forward for like my whole life. And my first game as an outside back was against Portland like two years ago in August. For literally first time I'd ever played outside back in a game, um, maybe other than like ODP when I was really young. Um, so that was definitely a transition. But I, I understand why I was put there because even as a forward, I had a lot of tendencies to be very conscientious of my defensive presence and like how I'm helping the team defensively. And then on the flip side of that, my favorite part about being in an attacker was being able to set, like to build play and to like find these open passes and be moving and making unbalancing runs. So I feel like from the outside back position, it's really fun to be able to start that and initiate that and like see what happens after. So it's definitely this last year, especially has been good, but very challenging for me in terms of like really understanding like the technical details of the position and like my positioning as a defender and defending. Um, but it just comes with time. And the more time I get, like the better I'm more comfortable I feel with it. And the more I can like make the position more and more like my own. So it's coming along. So yeah. Yeah. You know, we've heard obviously the GOAT, Crystal Dunn, uh, talk a lot about making that transition from, you know, playing central attacking midfielder and then, or forward, and then playing, you know, left back for the U.S. Women's National Team and how difficult that is because you're really seeing the pitch very differently. So I know that's got to be like a, a kind of a wild transition especially with like modern fullbacks because your job is to defend but also get forward and help the attack so like it's got to be like figuring out when to pick those spots has to be so difficult is that like that, I guess I'm asking is that like the most challenging part to to the whole uh to playing fullback especially these yeah days? yeah it's challenging but it's also like the most rewarding part and I think that it's why I can like make it my own because like even in training and stuff I it's not that I'm I used to be thinking like oh you're like play as a forward and like attack as a forward it's not that I think like that still but when I'm when we're doing small side or when we're doing like I'm going for goal and like I think that type of mentality helps me know what I can do and how to manipulate a team around me to break lines and to get players in behind even if it's not just for myself um so I think it's the hardest part has been learning when to like turn that off and actually defend or like when to turn that off and just like to keep the ball sometimes. Maybe it's not an early ball. Maybe you're just, we're just holding possession. Um, it's been like learning when to turn that off and when to be like, oh, like you can go, like you can make this and you can dribble and attack and like find like crossing runs and unbalancing runs and stuff like that. Yeah. And so uh, when we were doing, uh, when I was doing my research, I discovered that you um, majored in something sciencey at Duke, which honestly to me was surprising because I'm so bad at science, just fundamentally as a person, I'm terrible at science. Um, but <laughs> you, um, uh, one of your majors was uh, marine biology, uh, right? Yes. Marine science and conservation, a concentration in environmental, in my environmental and science and policy major, which doesn't make any sense, but it was a concentration wow. within my major. So yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. A lot of science, although half those words kind of went over my head, if I'm being honest. Um, but you also mentioned that your favorite animal is a beluga whale. So yes, can you tell us why? Favorite. 
Uh, well, I love cetaceans because, like, basically whales because they're super smart, but they're also, like, for the most part, pretty docile and chill. I just like that belugas have, like, I like the way they look. I think they're really cute. And um, the fact that they can, like, use echolocation, like, in their head, like, because of their melon or whatever, that's what like, it's called. Um, I just think they're super unique and different and, like, weirdly social, too. Like, cetaceans are super social. So I, I like that about them. I didn't want to be boring and be like, oh, like a porpoise or a dolphin. I'm like, no, I think beluga whales are, like, really cool. <laughs> I also love the fact that you said cetacean and then you knew to, to dumb it down for the rest of us by just saying whale. So I really appreciate that because I was like, you like what? You know, you mentioned your favorite animal, the beluga whale. And shout out to them. They are adorable. I love them. But uh, one thing that I also have is a tremendous fear of deep sea animals. Uh, do you have one that's like extremely terrifying uh, they, oh, <laughs> from the your mind? Squid, hand down, hand down. Right? Oh, they're like, I don't know, I'm like 40 or, uh, they're like really big. And the idea of that, I think they've only been called on camera like maybe once. Yeah. The eye itself is like huge. And I just, squid in general freak me out. So like a giant one is not what I want to be coming across at all. So I have this theory and I'm going to put myself out here. I realize I'm talking to a Duke educated marine biologist. So I, I understand. I'm not a marine biologist. <laughs> okay, not a marine biologist, but all right. Well, I, all right. Major. Did I say that? Um, or whatever <laughs> yeah. the words were, it was major. I, my brain is not there. I'm not that. However, one of the, one of the animals in the ocean that just completely blows my mind and I do not believe is actually from this planet or what is going on with those yeah. things? Why can they do everything? Ink? What's that about? A beak? What's they that about? They have like no bones. The only right. bone they have in their body is, this is, I'm like being so annoying right now, but the only no, bone they great. have in their body is like their mouth or their, it's called like the beak or something. So they can literally, that's why they can move through everything because it's literally like only like one small bone. And that in itself freaks me out. Like, I don't understand how that's a thing either. I saw this video of an octopus hop up on a boat and it squeezed out of a little hole. It was just like a little, like a, kind of like a little drainage hole for water. And it squeezed its whole self out and it's popped horrifying. out. And, and then they can also camouflage. Why can they do everything? What is this thing? Uh, yeah, a live look. Like I look terrified. Predators. <laughs> like them, and, them and squid, I swear. Um, I'm going to transition away from the octopus stuff because I'm terrified, sorry. Because uh, if you just keep talking about them, I will become more and more afraid and like never go swimming ever again. Um, but Amani, can you tell us a little bit also about, because you mentioned that you um, your major was in conservation, kind mm -hmm. of? Yeah, marine science uh, conservation. Marine science conservation, <laughs> thank you. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, your passion for like nature and the environment? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in central Maryland um, and right across from my house was um, a portion of Patapco State Park, which is like the state park in Maryland. And um, having that right across the street was like the coolest thing growing up. So my family would just take a bunch of hikes and there was actually like a tiny waterfall. My friend Stu, who's on our team, like didn't believe me at first. She's like, you don't have a waterfall near your house. And I, I sent her a picture and it's like an actual like little drop off with water coming down and rocks and so I remember when I was younger, I would ask my parents for like science kids growing up, like not knowing what I'm doing. And but we would take like little samples and then like bring it under a micro like um, microscope. And so I just like had fun as a kid, like exploring and enjoying being in nature. Um, I've always just like really appreciated it. And I think as a part of my faith, I just have so much. I'm just so in awe of what like I feel like God has created on this earth. And so for me, um, I think to the next part of that is realizing how poorly like humans take care of this planet it was really upsetting to me um, growing up. And so when I went into Duke, I think it was um, environmental science and policy is like the overarching major. Um, I, I really um, brought me in and like I was really interested in it because as much as it is a science major, it's also like understanding the economics of how we interact with our environment and the political landscape and so it was very into it was like a lot of interdisciplinary work and but it was all focused around like how do we make this environment a better place but then the last part that I realized at my time at Duke is that 
it's not that it's not just that we're affecting our environment, but our environment is affecting us and the choices that we make uh, have real world implications on how people live. And so for me to be fortunate enough to live around parks is a privilege that a lot of people, a lot of black young kids are not like is not available to them. And then you start thinking of climate change in the way that we're probably going to handle a lot of these issues. So many times in history, we often see that like um, inequality is distributed to the people that can't really speak for themselves, to the marginalized communities. And that's like a huge problem with climate change. And so just focusing on like more environmental justice issues, how issues of how we um, deal with pollution and um, clean energy and all these things that are important and have like huge implications on our lives, like how do they affect the most vulnerable? And that's like where I really want to get involved in trying to protect them and draft and develop policy that makes sure that um, everyone's being lifted up um, along with the environment that we live in. So. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, I, especially with the, and we're going to ask about this later, but especially with like the, for, the privilege of being able to like live near parks and have open spaces and things like that is something that, um, you know, a lot of people, especially a lot of like black and brown kids um, just don't really have, especially depending on um, where they live. But uh, so transitioning a little bit, because, um, you know, talk, talking about nature and beauty, um, one place that I've always really wanted to go is Pacific Northwest, because, you know, nature, like I've just seen photos and I'm like, this looks absolutely incredible. So uh, transitioning, uh, <laughs> Ify, so you have been on both sides of the Cascadia rivalry. I have, I have. <laughs> what is that? Um, what's it like playing for both sides, honestly? Um, it's interesting. I think you know, there were ups and downs and pros and cons. And I think, um, I mean, to to speak about the Pacific Northwest, beautiful, you know, I think I, because I'm from California um, and I went to Berkeley, I think that's the closest Northwest I had gotten at one point. And then when I was at Portland, um, you know, it was just, I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with being there. Um, but yeah, I would say that it was, you know, a learning experience, I think, starting at Boston and then going to Port Portland, it was a learning experience in the league that I got very early, um, how quickly things can change. Um, and, you know, with my time at Portland, I was thrown into a very professional, high level environment very quickly um, with the players that they had on the team. And then obviously, you know, things happen, things don't work out. I end up at the rain and I have a little bit more success. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, maybe because I enjoyed my relationships with the people I had on each team, like even when I had um, joined the rain and was playing Portland, like I was just excited and happy to play. And like, obviously, you know, being that things didn't work out at Portland, I had a little bit more like in me during these games, during when I was with the rain, I had so much more in me. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, you know, the people that I met through that, that whole journey um, was amazing. So although there's this like crazy rivalry between the two teams, um, I sort of got to experience weirdly both sides very quickly, which is uh, something a lot of people can't say. Right. And you brought up your, um, your history with Boston RIP Breakers, but you mentioned um, in a really, really early interview that you had a goal goal. Like you had a goal for how many goals you want to score in a season. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, if you put like a goal goal, you're like you're just saying the word, same word twice. <laughs> um, but do you have one for this year? Ah, uh, you know, I usually make one, but this time I weirdly didn't. I it's kind of new to me having a goal goal for some reason. Like I think when I was in like Boston, whether Boston, Portland, or the rain. Um, I felt like that was like a measure of my success in a way. Um, but like, I guess as I get, got, have gotten older and developed even more as a player, um, there's so much more that I'm like concerned with in regards to my game and scoring goals. I think for me, goals are like um, the end product of a good performance. And so for me, I'm more focused on, you know, having a good performance, you know what I mean? Being useful to my team to get goals in general, whether whether it's me assisting them or, you know what I mean, me being a part of the buildup. So um, I always say I like have a goal in the in, in my mind, but like to put a specific number, I don't really put a specific number on it anymore. 
Yeah, and honestly, I feel like that is um, a really good way to look about it because I feel like a lot of times, especially with forwards, who are like, well, how many goals are they like contributing per season? But it's like, that's not just like your, like, that's not just the one thing about being a forward. There is so many other contributions, like not even just thinking about like assists and other things, but also like there are so many other contributions and just like scoring tw- like uh, 20 goals a season. Um, but we did want to also, while the three of you were here, um, talk a little bit about the Black Women's Player Collective, um, you know, we saw it come up in the summer um, that was, you know, honestly, just really tough on players, like Black people in general, Black players, Black fans as well. And you are one of the co-founders. So what was, I'm curious, what was the spark moment of when you and your co-founders came together and was like, this is something that we need to do? Um, I think it kind of all started in Utah, sort of during the whole Challenge Cup. Um to for to make a long story short the there was a statement that was put out on behalf of sort of the league that made it sound like it was you know the opinions of everybody including the black players in the league which they had never approved of and it didn't really show our voice um and i think from there like even having conversations with our team or having conversations um other other players black players having conversations with their team it was very obvious that there was a we all felt a similar sort of um that our voice wasn't being heard clearly um and from there I think you know there's much more vocal players than me who who decided that there needed to be a group in place um that would you know speak to those problems that we were so concerned with that quite frankly the league didn't have you know any anywhere for us to sort of you know go to when things like this like racial injustice arose um so I think it was mostly like I can't really take credit for it I don't think you know what I mean like there was Midge um who's on our team obviously and a few others who were like you know let's get some people together let's get a board together and start talking and discussing some of these issues and how we can be of help to the black women in the league and to black women in general because I think you know what I mean like in the position that we're in as professional athletes although we have so much more to grow in you know uh in media um we do hold a platform in which we have the ability to um have our voices heard in which other people don't have that same that same option yeah so the 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 next thing that seems to be coming from from the um, black and player collective is the call-up series um we've seen some snippets of that hit the timeline we went crazy uh we helped you know <laughs> the gofundme blew up we we're so excited to see all of that happen um, can you kind of, and, and you too, Imani, we know you're on the executive board um, for the uh, Black Women's Player Collective. Um, can you guys kind of speak about what it was like to kind of see that idea, how, how that idea came, and then how it developed from an idea to like the creation of this series that we're excited to see? Yeah, I think um, it kind of started with the players uh, in Seattle or in Tacoma with the rain. Um, so there's, you know, Nils who is um, the boyfriend of one of the players on the rain who is in uh, production. So he produces like videos and, you know, sells into the companies. And he saw that there was a need for, you know, basically black women in media. And I think being around the team, he kind of, and following around the team, he sort of realized that there was a story that needed to be told that wasn't being told. Um, And I think for me, the importance of the call-up is that at least for a long time, it feels like, you know, the narrative in the media of Black women is very homogenous. Like we're all spoken about the same way. You know what I mean? The story's always the same. You know, the way they describe us as players is very much, you know, a little bit of the same sort of rhetoric, although we are a very diverse group within a small group. And I think the call-up allows for you know, the black, some of the black women in the league. And I think we're going to, we want to do more of these, um, to tell their story from their perspective and from their mouth, um, not a sort of story being generated about them for them. Um, which I think was very important to us because I think it happens all too often, um, in particular to black women, in which we don't really have the ability to control our own narrative. Yeah, definitely. And I also then just kind of, cause I work, um, and video production for like my main job. And it's also really interesting for me to see kind of the growth of this project and 
tandem to the growth of just kind of athlete backed media companies. Like, I mean, LeBron James has um, uninterrupted. I know Kevin Durant also has one too. So being able to like tell your story from your perspective, I think is really, really important. And that's also just like kind of generally one thing that Andre and I are kind of trying to do of like also, because I mean, when we watch TV, we can see how black players are described mostly athletically. And it's like, there's so, there's so much more past that. Um, And so one thing that uh, I am curious about um, with the call-up series is a project, like at least this iteration of the project like done. And is it just like, you know, right now ready to drop or is it kind of still in production? Um, It's fully developed. Um, I think right now we're in the process of trying to sort of sell it so or you know i don't really know like or put it out in some way we are planning on putting it out at some point i'm just going to be honest i'm not really even sure (laughs) it's not really in my hands i'm not completely sure but i know we're in the process of trying to get it put on um, a platform in order to you know what i mean in terms of selling it in order to support a lot of the initiatives that we have um for the bwpc so Imani, I wanted to ask you, you know, once this once this drops and everybody's able to kind of see all the, the videos, all the docuseries that are that are part of it, um, what are some of the major takeaways that you like hope that people get from this? Because um, we're so excited, we can't wait to see it ourselves, but we definitely want to know like what is it that like best case scenario that you realize like people come away and say, okay, I got this, I got it. I didn't know this before, but I got it now. Yeah, I mean. I guess for me, which ties in a lot to the mission of the BWPC, which is really just about representation, as Ethi was talking about, and um, getting more Black experiences and Black um, women and sharing their experiences. And I mean, um, we come from the niche of women's soccer, but I think it's um, we want to use the platforms and the vehicle of soccer to kind of open doors, especially um, for the generations to come. And um, giving them more medium to see people that look like them. So whether that's um, interacting like face to face or on like a computer screen on a in a documentary or like on the field, like it's we just want to put more out there and um, preach self love and um, but also like creating more opportunities for the next generations. And I think that's. That's really what the BWPC, I think, is what we want to aim to accomplish at, alongside like just developing a community of Black women for the league and for Black girls in the sport. Um, it's really about like, which I think is kind of similar to women's soccer as a whole, like how can we leave this sport like better than we left it? Yeah, totally. And so just for the people in general, what are other um, initiatives that BWPC um, is working on right now? If you can tell, if, if it's under the wraps, we understand. But if you, you know, let's give us. Well, I can speak. happily plug our initiative with the U.S. Soccer Foundation and Black Players yeah. for Change um, concerning our 12 mini pitch initiative. Um, 12 initially, we aim, we hope to do more and more. Um, yeah, we're really excited about that. And we have a lot of ideas for what we want to do on our pitches once they're built. Um, I think like that's the most exciting part about it like getting out into the community and really like interacting with players on the um with girls on the ground girls and boys um which is also like the really cool part about like the bpc like initiative we're really excited to do it together um the men have a lot of four pitches to be bwpc exclusive which is also like really incredible um but the even more telling and important part of that is like they're them supporting us and like um acknowledging and validating kind of the experiences and the need for like a space for women um I always talk about with allyship like how even though it shouldn't necessarily be this way a lot of times um allyship involves like speaking up on behalf of another minority and bringing legitimacy to whatever they're talking about so I always use the example of like white people in the civil rights movement like without them like it wouldn't have happened most likely and as frustrating as it is sometimes like that's the way our world works and I think like it means a lot to have the men like supporting us and um, backing us and encouraging the boys to be like play like play with the girls like we know how intimidating um, sometimes the the casual sports 
soccer environment, pickup environment can be, even though it's so fun, like we all love it and we all cherish it because that's really where the beauty of the sport is. And we're so excited to bring that to pitches, but it's also like, how do we make that a more safe and inclusive space and exciting and inviting for more girls? Yeah, that's so true. And also that's so, so important. Cause I mean, I mean, I've done pickup, but it was like with friends in college. So it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't a thing, which I know has happened to um, a lot of other women. It's like just not getting passed to like, pass me the ball. I'm going to make you pass me the ball. <laughs> like, I, exactly. You know, it go ridiculous. Over. Um, but we're transitioning to rapid fire. Um, the, there's going to be mm, six, seven questions. Cause I just thought of another one up in my head. Um, but just for us, so we're going to go in, um, this order, Estelle is first, if he is second and, uh, Imani is third for these questions, you can take, they're supposed to be rapid, but if I'm being honest there, besides our one interview, <laughs> our one interview with Angela Hercules, they were, none of them were rapid, uh, except for when we were like, who do you want to play with? And she was like, Katarina. And we're like, okay, that two seconds. <laughs> um, so our first question is, so during the first challenge cup game, uh, we saw Casey Short eat a mustard packet. I've been tweeting about this like way too often. Um, and it was supposed to help with cramping. So, and this is like a three-parter. Have you ever done it? And if you have, has it worked? And if not, would you try it? Oh, oh, we're willing to try anything. I would for sure try it if somebody told me it worked. Sometimes yeah. it's just in your head. So yes. <laughs> I definitely have seen people do it. I don't know if I actually believe in it. I, I would need to know the science, but yeah, I guess I would try it if you, if I had to be convinced. <laughs> Yeah, show me the science. No, I'm kidding. I, it's like, honestly, if our sports performance coach like, was like, do it, I'll be like, okay, whatever. Sure. Yeah, very true. I had um, mustard ice cream one time because, and I, like, oh. it, so there was, it was, was like it a French's, it was kind of weird. I wish so I could screenshot like a, a Stills face right now. I know. <laughs> no, 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 so it was I'd rather fr- just eat mustard. <laughs> so it was a French's mustard truck that, and they've been like tweeting for days because um, it was, I think summer 2019 um and they've been tweeting that they were going to have like this mustard ice cream thing we were like no but then it turned out it was right outside our building so we all went down and it was like it was more like vanilla ice cream with like a twinge of mustard at the very end that's it was so like weird. it was weird so it was, was kind of gross what was it kind of good yeah at first because at first it was like Respect. mustard but then it was like ice cream <laughs> and it, like honestly it was uh neon yellow and super weird but now I have a fun story about it that I tweeted out and they were like Courtney what is going on and I was like it was free ice cream I like yeah I will do free. most things for anything uh free it's um free. that reminds me of um you know Lay's always comes out with these limited edition like crazy flavors every yeah. time I go to the grocery store I'm like they got a new one I think the newest Ooh. one is like crispy taco or something so I need that to actually sounds probably kind of good. It's probably like taco seasoning. That's probably yeah. good. That's probably I good. liked the chicken and waffles one the best so far. Oh, what is that? Did I it actually taste like chicken and waffles? It tasted like, well, not so much chicken, but definitely syrup. <laughs> That's what they meant. <laughs> right. I'm, now I'm getting chicken and waffles at one Wednesday after our game because I'm like, yeah. now I want chicken and waffles. Um, my older sister goes to Trader Joe's and she picks up this one packet of popcorn that she swears tastes like rotisserie chicken she like eats and she's like it tastes like rotisserie chicken and I'm like I mean I taste like garlic powder but if that's what you taste that's okay yeah. <laughs> to eat their own to eat their own all right so uh second rapid fire question what is your favorite song to listen to before match what's the order it's oh, oh, first. <laughs> oh it's me yeah. always yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, and I had one quick I was waiting for Evie um mine's mood forever Beyonce that one that's a good one every time oh that's a good one uh mine right now is like make the stallion um I don't want to (laughs) cuss I think I already did though (laughs) hood rat bleep (laughs) you know what song I'm talking about it's good I love me some make the stallion yeah okay for me I don't really have a consistent one but if I like think of one that I love it's nice for what by Drake Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. So did you all describe uh, the best goal you've ever scored at any level? Still. Oh, in high school, it was a playoff game. I scored two of the exact same goals, free kicks from half. Ooh, from half? Wait, yes. you scored two worldies? I really 
Oh I talked about it the other. I talked about it way too often, but yeah. Okay, I need, this is. I have one interjection. This happened to me in club soccer, where my team was the one getting scored on by oh, no. by mid. It sucks. If this girl literally did it twice in the like in a ten minute span, and we were like, we. I still know her name. Her name was Celeste, and we're like. Celeste, you like please stop like no more free kicks for you so that was you okay yeah <laughs> oh rude do that, that to, to so a funny. team twice and oh, it was put in the exact same place like I don't know what the goalkeeper was doing she, it literally like she jumped up and it went through her hands so I just did it again and it happened again I was like okay <laughs> uh, I can't beat that man um <laughs> no it still put the bar real high <laughs> yeah she did I was like I, don't, I haven't scored a goal yeah the thing is I feel like most of my goals it's like the timing in which I scored them that made them special to me so for us it for me it was like a, it was a really bad season it was in college you were having a really bad season we like couldn't afford to lose any more games and we were like losing to I don't know like Colorado Boulder 2-0 and we had two minutes left we had like two minutes left two nil two minutes left and in college you don't add any extra time it's like when the, when the time is done over and so one of our, our one of my teammates scores right so it's like one it's two one now you know and I'm like for some reason in my mind I thought I think I can get one I think I can get one even though I have like six seconds I think I can get one so literally we have 10 seconds left and they count down because like once it's over yeah, it's yeah. over and within those 10 seconds, I was able to get a goal and it was just so relieving. Wasn't like a finals, but we started crying because it had been a long season. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes that happens, but yeah, that one really sticks out to me. It'd be like that. Honestly, yeah, scoring really a goal well. in 10 seconds. Right? That's, That's impressive. That's great. Um, let's see. I okay. The first one I think of is scoring the game winner against UNC my sophomore year. That's like the only, well, recently one of the only times Duke has beaten UNC. So that was really exciting at UNC. Um, the other one was my senior year at West Virginia. I scored like a pretty sick goal that was like side netting, but it was really far out too. So it was just like caught the keeper off guard, like at all costs. And I just remember it was just kind of satisfying because one of my teammates, um, one of my teammates knew the keeper but they like, she kind of bullied her or something as a kid. So I just remember having that in my mind. And I was like, yeah, my God, I got it like, for you. I got it for you. <laughs> I that was so funny. Yeah, I mean, I literally played soccer only until high school and then I stopped. Um, but when I was playing as like probably 12 or 13, I scored an Olympico. And it's like still the thing that I remember like all of it like probably what 10 years later I'm like never forget it I scored an Olympico um and it was truly one of the greatest things. I feel like that's like my top tier achievement like right under graduating college <laughs> I love it <laughs> um but so even though Gotham has uh is now rebranded to be a little bit more New York centric you guys still play in New Jersey and as a New Jersey native I have to ask what is your go-to bagel order I'm not really a bagel person no I know. Bagel and lox, let's go. Or is that what it's called? Yes. Lox, <laughs> yeah, you got it. I, like, I know it. I just got one yesterday. <laughs> I used to love those. I'm I'm vegan now, so like I just don't if I'm gonna eat a bagel, just be a plain bagel and I don't see the point of that. So <laughs> no bagels for me. That's fair. Um yeah, I was like, well, honestly, if you just like just want to only eat carbs, which sometimes you do, but uh, a lox bagel. Yeah is it's especially i mean if you go into new york city and get a lox bagel it'll cost you like 14 dollars. it's ridiculous um but if you if it's a lot cheaper new jersey which is nice um but going back oh wait sorry what'd you say i said that's wild sorry i kind of whispered i forgot i wasn't muted <laughs> 14 dollars. my goodness oh, it's ridiculous right? like i mean no it's honestly so ridiculously expensive um and i've only found that in manhattan where it's just like hey like i just want to big with some uh, locks on it and they're like oh it's 17 dollars." i'm like yeah. you're like but just the locks and the bagel <laughs> like seven i don't want like caviar on it right it's just like <laughs> like when somebody says something like that you're just like 70 dollars no it's not that's that seems like a valid tent it's just not gonna be i promise all i wanted was lots of little bit of cream cheese like keep it moving uh which is why it's always taylor ham egg and cheese um but going back to footy uh who was your favorite player growing up stuff Bryce Curry. Ooh. 
I'm so boring then. I was just going to say Ronaldo. Honestly, that's the truth. Cristiano Ronaldo, not Ronaldo. Other oh. one. I was going to ask. I was like, OG or Cristiano? <laughs> I did. I had a I had a bunch of posters. I had Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Cristiano Ronaldo, Abby Wambach. Who else was on my wall? David Beckham. I'm like a lot of people on my wall. Um, but my favorite is probably Michelle Akers. Mm-hmm. True. Incredible hair. Like every time I see Michelle mm-hmm. Akers, I just think about like incredible forward, incredible hair. Amazing, amazing. 100%. All right. Um, we only have two more questions for you. Uh, first is coming out of a, um, a conversation we had with Maggie Tim, who's an agent. And she mentioned the importance of having like either a female or a black agent who could advocate for you to get like, you know, interesting sponsorship deals. So my question is if you could have any sponsorship deal, like what is your ideal one? That's hard. It's only because I thought about like <laughs> bonnets or like edge gel. <laughs> oh. Or like satin pillowcases or something. That's a good one. I've got mine right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, satin hair products, like everything, scrunchies, pillowcases, everything, like hair ties, hair bands. <laughs> I could keep going. <laughs> That's good. That's a good that one. Good. I almost want to steal that. I'm like a travel set. Like get me a travel set with its own like little case that you can put it compact so I can take it to the hotel so I can have like this nice, you know what I mean? Like sheets that I can put over my bed so I don't have an uncomfortable night's sleep with right. the scratchy <laughs> True. Sheets. Are we shooting too low here, ladies? No. Well, another you, you guys, these are good, but I'm gonna take another step and go off the travel. I want like a Ritz Carlton or like a four seat, like some like super luxurious brand, so I can just go on all these really nice vacations. I'll pay for the flight. I don't care, but like I'll the accommodations I would that's love good, oh, that's good. good Rick Carlton you hear this you need to hear mm-hmm. this <laughs> I'll vlog it Rick Carlton let's go Rick Carlton Gotham FC this is where it starts look there's one in New York City that's like look been, been playing all day need a place to relax come marketing marketing right there um and so for our last question um what has been the most interesting thing you've either read listened to or watched during lockdown Oh, I watched, um, well, re- really recently, I watched Seaspiracy. Mon, have you seen that? Oh, this stuff just stresses me out, man. Is that it's about really cows? The ocean. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Isn't there also one called Cowspiracy? Am I making that up? Is there is. No, I was watching so, it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's a hard one. Oh, that's a hard one. During lockdown, what did I watch? And I watched a lot of movies, even though I was at home for a little bit. And I saw, I watched quite a few movies with my brothers, which were, which was like, we're all adults. So it's like, it was nice to be at home and um, catch up like that. And so we like set up a movie night every Friday and sort of watch a movie. And we watched, um, was it with Jamie Foxx? Cartoon. Oh, what is it called? It starts with an H, I think. It's fairly I new. I can't think of it right now. Like soul? Oh. soul. It starts soul. with an S. Oh, oh, to an S. Yes. Yes. Soul. Soul. And I don't watch a lot of animation. So it was interesting. And yeah, we had good discussion afterwards. So it was cool. We got super existential after that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were so, there's so many. Like I can just instantly think of, okay, I just watched Promising Young Woman last night. Mm-hmm. Good movie. Just watch it. Um, but the one that I like think of immediately is The Crown because I just we were I was pretty young when the whole like Diana thing was happening in real time. But I always heard about it and I'm just like I just and I also just love the show. So it was, that was a fun one. I need to watch that. I haven't seen that yet. And did you watch yeah. Harry and Meghan, their interview with <gasps> Oh, my gosh. How could I not? <laughs> did she? <laughs> Master <laughs> interview Meghan. with Oprah. Yeah, there's also a, uh, I, I can't, I think it's on HBO now, it was on Netflix, but there's a documentary that is basically has like unreleased, um, like audio recordings from Princess Diana. Oh, Diana and in her own words. Yeah, yeah, that one. I watched that in Blue Boy. Ooh, you haven't yeah. seen it, please. Wow. But 
Anyway, we wanted to thank you guys again so much for joining us. This was so much fun. Yes, thank you thank so, you so much. Um, last nice. thing, where can people find, besides off the soccer field, <laughs> do you guys want to sh- um, either like shout out uh, BWPC's socials or your socials? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm Efi underscore 22 on Instagram and Efi on underscore on 22 on Twitter, I believe. Um, Black Women's Play Collective is, it's a Black Women's Player Collective, right? Amani, sorry. I don't Black know W Player Collective is yeah. Instagram. <laughs> I'm looking okay. at it right here. Black W Player Collective. And then for Twitter, caps BWP underscore collective on Twitter. And then my Instagram handle, I'm not giving Twitter because I don't tweet. <laughs> but my Instagram is I am Dorsey. I am D-O-R-S-E-Y. And mine is just my name and original number Estelle Johnson 24 um, on IG. And I think on Instagram, I mean, on Twitter, I think it's just Del Johnson. I was quick to Twitter, I guess, back in the day. <laughs> you were quick. <laughs> I love that. Estelle, so uh, Ify, Amani, thank you so, so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. We'll always have you back on. The, if you ever want to come back on the pod, please come. We will, can ask you so many questions. Um, but thank you so, so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U-T-D-P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.